Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The young guns rock the establishment. Win win today in front of the best drivers in the world is um, it's an ecstatic feeling. And James Phelps talks about the new Dick Johnson book. Before I agreed to do the book, I said, Dick, you have to be honest to do it, or otherwise it's going to be a complete waste of time. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out in another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Well, what a weekend we saw at Queensland Raceway. Saturday, Jamie Wincup became the first driver to win both legs of the 60-60 sprint format. Yeah, it was... Uh... Clearly, clearly, the car was, was very, very good. Um, it's very, uh, it's very tough during practice, and also, uh, yeah, we we'll practiced this morning as well. We're all running around on on, on fairly ordinary tyres. Well, any any car that's done most of the racing is uh, is on uh, pretty old rubber. So um, you just got to be confident in uh, in what you're doing. And uh, we threw uh, threw the green rubber on for this for for the race or for qualifying, and um, the car was uh, was very, very good. So. Test days are massively important at the moment with uh, with the new car and the, the lack of test days. So um, most of the Victorian guys did a test day before Townsville and, and made some gains. So um, we certainly made some gains last week when we when we cut a few laps around here. So it's good to bounce back from uh, from our worst performance of the year at Townsville. But um, today was certainly uh, our best performance of the year. And um, we won't sit on our hands though. We um, you know, we lost uh, lost a little bit of pace from from the first stint to the second. So um, we'll need to step up tomorrow to uh, to to be competitive. Then on Sunday, the next generation came to the fore with Scott McLaughlin taking race twenty three. Obviously, our pace has been awesome this year, and um, oh, you know, the opportunity has been great. We've had a great car, and um, I've been able to prove um, what sort of car we have, and been able to prove uh, to everyone what I can do. So. Um, it's just been great, and today uh, trying to hold off Wink up there at, at you know at the start and end um, when he was coming there at, at me, it was pretty cool, and um, you know just something that uh, you know you work towards your whole life, um, and uh, you know you get the opportunity and, and it's about grabbing it, and I think that's what me and Chaz sort of did the last few races. Chaz Mostert took out race 24 with an amazing lights to flag victory. Yeah, just so thankful to DJR for giving me a, a rocket ship and my engineer Adam Debore, and um, I just can't. I'm just really speechless. Sorry about all that, guys. For me, it's uh, I, I really don't know what I'm quite feeling in the moment. I'm probably going to wake up in the morning, and go, God, I wish it was still last night, or you know, still feeling as happy as I am right now. And um, you know, this is what you strive to as you, as a young fella in go karts, you know, and and you and you think about trying to get to the to the top of the league and, and versus the best guys in the country and. Um, a lot of people go, why, you want to go over, like, to um, overseas and race and stuff like that, but I believe we've got some of the, the best drivers in the world here in Australia. So, to, um, you know, today to be in, in front of most of them and or, you know, win, win today in front of the best drivers in the world is, um, 
just an ecstatic feeling and it's um, a big pat onto my parents back and, and everybody's helped get me here because it's a pretty hard emotional roller coaster to get here this far and um, yeah, just can't thank everybody enough. Some people go to the theme parks on the Gold Coast to experience ups and downs and highs and lows, but uh, they're nothing compared to a life in motorsport, isn't that right, Dick Johnson? Well, there's many highs and many lows and, and uh, we've had a lot of lows in the past and only recently, but... Let me tell you, the uh, the highs certainly outweigh that by an enormous amount. It, it almost seems like uh, it, it's not a book that's coming out, but it's a script. Uh, the week that the, the book is uh, you know, announced publicly and uh, a few quotes come out of it describing just how low things are, the team bounces back with a win. That must feel pretty good. Well, yeah, that, that's what happens, mate, when you when you keep trying. And you know, we're, as a team, we, ne- we never quit. We're always out there sort of giving it our best shot. And sometimes that's not good enough. And uh, as it all comes to that, together today, because it's it's a real team effort, this gig, and uh, we just got to make sure that we... Uh, there'll be a spring in the step of everyone at work, I can tell you. And not only that, but it's the amount of time and effort that these guys put in, uh, what we've done with the sponsors that have been absolutely fantastic to us. And, of course, all those fans out there that have stuck by us over all that time. How do you create that culture in the team? I, I recall when uh, the team won its last championship with James Courtney, uh, you know, there were a lot of pressures uh, at that point as well, but it's a team with Ticker that managed to pull out that championship. Well, I think it's just the, uh, the family background, and we treat all of our staff like they're family, and uh, this is why they bond together so well, and there's, there's always a, a good vibe within the team, and uh, now it'll be a huge vibe. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, it was quite touching there uh, at near the podium celebrations. Uh, a lot of the other team principals and uh, you know, the, the executive level of other teams coming over to congratulate you. Uh, did it feel good to, that you've still got that level of respect? Look, it, it is very, very pleasing indeed, you know, and uh, a lot of people have written us off over the years, but it's great to see you know, just what motorsport's all about because uh, they always sort of cheer each other and they sort of look after one another. And when you're down, they sort of uh, try and cheer you up and... And uh, when you have a result, they make you feel good too. Excellent. Well, it looks like the, the team here is uh, ready for a bit of a party, so I'll let you get it to on. Uh, look forward to the next one. I certainly will, mate. It's time for a couple of Jim Beams, I think. Will Davison and Frosty Winterbottom talked about the Sunday of surprises. Good day to really see the young guys come through and show the older or middle-aged, we'll call ourselves, blokes up. And, um, yeah, really good to see. So it's about them, really, today. I, I had nothing for, for these two guys, so... Um... Awesome for Chazzy. James Courtney signed a three-year extension to his contract with HRT. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> excuse me, the first round. It's um, you know, it's been a lot of work, and and uh, I think everyone can see what we've been doing, and and uh, you know, it's uh, I wanted to stay here. We've put in enough work, and the, you know, the results are starting to head in the right direction. Um, so look, it was um, for me, it was a pretty easy easy choice to stay when when uh, they said they wanted me to stay, and and I wanted to stay. So it's uh, you know, it worked out really well. But he was reluctant. To speculate on what other opportunities the contract will allow him to pursue. Yeah, it's um, it's just a matter of getting things that don't conflict as well, and um, not only calendar-wise but uh, manufacturer-wise as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's something we'll look at later on. And at the moment, it's uh, we've got the rest of the year to sort out, and all the uh, the big races are, are over now. But um, yeah, we've got. Awesome championship here, which I'm focused on more so than anything else. And finally, Dick Johnson's new book has proved an interesting one. On this week's Munro White Flag Lap, 
We hear from co-author James Phelps. But I really didn't know the story of how he actually did it. The fact that, you know, he's an old man when he, when he won his first Bathurst at 36 and it's incredible to think that he went on to win five touring car championships when most people are thinking about retiring. On this week's roundtable, Gordon Lomas and Richard Carr will wrap up the Queensland Raceway Race Weekend. That's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C dot com dot A-U. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week, it is Richard Crowell from SBS's Speed Week. Good evening, Crowley. G'day, Craig. I uh, hope you're well. I am very well, although it's a bit colder down south now that I've returned from Queensland. I know you've got a week ahead of you in Queensland getting ready for the Shannon's Nationals and you'll be loving the weather. Yeah, tough life for some, but it uh, makes sense to stay up here rather than jet back home and come back up next weekend. So a week on the Gold Coast and uh, it's not too bad at the moment. Mm, well, also joining us for the show this week is the author of not only the history of V8 supercars, but he's now got a new book that's going to be released very shortly, which is all about the Bathurst motor racing scene. And I, I didn't say Mount Panorama deliberately, Gordo, because I know it's a lot more than just Mount Panorama itself, but it, it encaptures the whole area around that Bathurst region. Yeah, it sure does, uh, Craig. Thanks for that. Um uh, the book's out this week. Um, it should be, uh, should be available pretty much uh, in uh, in most places uh, from this week, and uh, it, it's it, it really it's really an all-encompassing history book uh, about Bathurst. Uh, you know, when the when the track first started in 1938, but uh, also when the town itself was first settled um, in 1815. So it's uh, you know it's it. it covers quite a wide range of topics all through the bush ranger days the the gold mining days of the 1800s and all the way through when when racing really started around the bathurst area on motorcycles um you know in the early 1900s it sounds like such a broad breadth of information that you've pulled together here and i know that it's you've been tidying it up almost you could say for a year now because it was almost ready to go last year and you've since been able to include the 50th Bathurst and and just been able to really work and polish it completely yeah and I think the timing's quite good because uh, this year as a lot of people know it's the 75th anniversary of Mount Panorama the 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 racing circuit as we know it so uh you know the timing's quite good well, I know, Richard, you've had a sneak peek of the book and you were pretty impressed with it as well. Yeah, I have. Uh, I had a look, actually, with, uh, with Dirk Kleinfried, who's provided uh, 95% of the images for it today, actually. And 
fantastic read. I mean, I, I love Bathurst history. I'm fortunate enough to be pretty heavily involved with a, a couple of major events there in the 12-hour and the Motor Festival. And, and I've, I've come to know a lot of people in the town, and I know that they're very excited about it. There hasn't really been something this comprehensive that's chronicled the history of of the place. And that history is so rich and deep and goes back so many years. So very exciting for me as a racing fan to get to see a different side of Mount Panorama and, and read about some of the, the different bits and pieces that's happened there. So a great read. It's a must read for any motor racing tragic, but it's the kind of thing I'd happily give my mum to read and she'd get a kick out of finding out some of the history and some of the stuff that I really enjoy watching So and, and, and seeing. So it's a, a great book. Uh, I hope people go and buy it because it's uh, very much worthwhile. Mm. What's the recommended retail for it? Got to? Oh, look, I think it's um, head forty nine ninety five. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, thanks for those words, Richard. Um, I really got a kick out of writing it. Um, I, I, ma- I love history. I, I'm massively into history, and uh, that's what it's all about. And, you know, Bathurst is real Australia. It's what I call real Australiana. And, um, mm. and you know, it, it was just such a joy to, uh, to delve into uh, some of the people um, that stretched back many, many years, you know, with Bathurst. And uh, the, the, uh, the most elderly person I interviewed for the book was uh, a guy called Les Wardman, who is an ex-mayor of Bathurst. And uh, he was, uh, um, you know, he was there when they were, when they were chiseling out the, the, the circuit in, in 1937 with picks and shovels wow. um, for, 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 the, wow. for the track to be open the following year. So, and he was, you know, his, his memory was, was quite vivid of those times. Mm. Whilst we're talking about people who've made an impact over a long period of time, we should mention that uh, uh, I think it's actually correctly titled Step-Grandfather of Alex Davison and Will Davison, Tony Gaze, passed away, of course, Australia's first Grand Prix driver and also... Uh, quite interesting, Gordo, that he was a fighter pilot in the Royal Australian Air Force during World War Two. Yeah, massive loss, massive loss. You, you know those those sort of guys. Um, you know we they're, they're real they're real national treasures. You know, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know Tony Gay's uh, uh, you know uh, passed away yesterday, and um, and he was a real comic book style you know hero. Of his generation, almost uh, a Biggles you know, type, not, isn't he? he, he a, a, along those sort of lines, you know. I mean, he, he flew Spitfires in in the war and did something like 485 sorties, um, you know, over Europe. And uh, he was credited with with I think it was 12 and a half uh, uh, aerial combat victories. And um, you know, a real genuine hero. And and also he was the guy responsible for for the Goodwood circuit as we know it. It was used as an airfield. You know, through through the war, and uh, and he, it was his suggestion that it'd make a good motor racing circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a terrible loss. Now, thoughts go out to uh, his extended family, of course, and uh, as they go through their grieving process, guys. Moving on from that sad subject, what an elating weekend it was, and uh, Chaz Mostert was the story, I know, Gordo, you said to me, the story of the year. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, what, you know, what a weekend. I mean, it started off Saturday and you think, oh, here we go again, you know, another Red Bull weekend, um, and you know, with Jamie, Jamie Wincup winning the, the Super Sprint uh, format. Um, but then again, it turned around completely on Sunday with, 
with young Scotty McLaughlin uh, winning first up, and uh, you know it was his second win in the main game after Pukekohe in April, and then and then you know the story, the V8 story of the year with Chas Moster, you know, winning for, for Dick Johnson Racing in the final race, uh, and and boy, you know what a what a what a story! I mean, he's not he's not some kid that's come out of some rich family and, and just pitchforked into into V8 supercars. He's done the hard yards, he's done the graft, and he's lifted a team that was flat out being competitive in the top twenty, you know, uh, not so long ago, and to come out and win a race, it was just truly remarkable. Mm, Richard, what was your take on on just a truly remarkable Sunday? Well, it was, and, and as, uh, I mean, Gordo summed it up brilliantly, but it was one of those days where you, you sit back and, and I think in 10 years' time, we'll be sitting around a table of a Saturday night at a race meeting, having a cold beer going, do you remember Queensland Raceway 2013? And this will be when Chas Mostert and Scott McLaughlin have dominated the sport for 10 years. Uh, it was one of those great days and, and one of the days that, that sort of validated why we all follow the sport, because... It's so unpredictable and so wonderful with these great storylines. I mean, how could you write the scripts of Chas Mostert winning a race this season when he started the Clipsal 500 in the Dunlop V8 Supercar Series and the Development Series? He wasn't even in the main game. And six months later, he's won a race, not just winning a race in V8 Supercars against probably the most competitive field we've seen, but he won it at Queensland Raceway for Dick Johnson the team that's been in the press for 12 months because of all the dramas and everything going on, a couple of weeks after uh, a very well-publicised book has been published about Dick, uh, autobiography, uh, with, you know, showcasing all the dramas that's happened over the last couple of years, you couldn't write that. I mean, it's Hollywood movie stuff, great stuff. It, it's, I feel a little bit for Scotty McLaughlin because his victory earlier in the day was overshadowed by what Chas Mostert did later on, but... I mean, what a fantastic thing for Scott to win again and back up his performance in New Zealand and prove that it wasn't a fluke and, and really validate just how good a steerer he is. But next generation type stuff today, I mean, this is... It's not Mount Panorama, but it was the same as Bathurst 94 when Craig Lowndes went, hey, look at me. Uh, I think it's similar kind of stuff with McLaughlin and Mostert really announcing themselves as our next generation of the sport. And Gordo, the big thing about McLaughlin's win is it's on the back of him saying, I'm going to stay with this team and I'm going to be the bloody Volvo driver in 2014. It was a it was a, a huge week for Scott McLaughlin personally. He he's decided to, you know, set his set his uh, nail his colours to the flag and he repaid that decision and the team repaid that decision immediately. Yeah, I, I think it, it says a lot about Scott um, as a person, really, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a massively hard task for uh, Volvo to come in next year and and really put something together. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's going to be very, very challenging. And uh, for Scott to sort of commit himself to, to that sort of program uh, speaks volumes for the guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it really, it stems from his upbringing. You know, both, both his parents, Wayne and Di, have done a tremendous job. Uh, he, he's a terrific young kid and, uh, and and just so beautifully talented, you know. I mean, he's he's come off last year. He's, he's won two major V8... Um, racing series, you know, in the Dunlop series and uh, and the Super Tours over in New Zealand, and uh, gee, I, I don't think there's too many people who can who can boast two major V8 championships in the one season.
It is certainly a, a, a Cinderella story for both those drivers. And i got to say, I don't know who was more excited for both of them, whether it was those guys themselves or me. I was pretty <laughs> how, chuffed. How was, how was the tension on Sunday afternoon, guys, in the media room and, and all around Queensland Raceway? I mean, it was one of those great days where I watched the replay that, that evening on speed and and it was great, and the coverage was good as always, but it didn't translate the, the tension that we were feeling, and we were sitting there going, oh, five laps to go, Moffat, can he hang on? He was being reeled in. Could he be caught? Would he be passed? Would he win? That, that was one of those great days where our sport just delivers so much inherent tension and drama that it, it's so hard to convey on television just the feeling of being there. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. I got a lot out of it, and a, a real buzz. It was a great day. Of course, Gordo and I, we had a stake in the game, so we were we were on edge. I couldn't watch the damn race. Could I, Gordo? No, no. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it was it, no matter which way you carve it up, it was it was a true result. Very sad for Scotty because he he looked like he had to speed to mow uh, to mow Chaz down. But uh, you know, no matter which way you look at it, gee, you know, that was that was just a terrific result. Mm. We need to take a break, but we do need to talk about tyres on the other side of this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexon Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Revel joined by the Bathurst book. I'm calling it the Bathurst book, Gordo, but what's the actual title? Well, the, the, the working title is Bathurst, celebrating 75 years of racing at Mount Panorama. Bit of a mouthful, but, uh, but you know, you get the picture. And also, Richard Kral, who's got uh, his first 10 years of the Formula 3 guests bubbling along in his head on how he's going to write that one. <laughs> That's not a book that will sell as many as uh, Gordon Lomas' 75 years of Mount Panorama, I don't think, Craig, but thank you. <laughs> Guys, tyre dramas became a real issue on Sunday, and we've heard a lot about people saying, oh, these soft tyres, they're, they're too good, they're, they're faster and they're lasting too long, but we saw a number of drivers have catastrophic tyre failures throughout the race. And, of course, we mentioned Scott McLaughlin before the break. Now, Scott was able to tell us uh, later in the race, uh, later in the night, that he pinched a tyre, put a little flat spot on it, and eventually it let go, Gordo. But we saw some tyre failures, which was... Quite surprising, really, because we've seen these soft tyres do such a great job over the uh, year and a half that they've been implemented. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's a it's a, it's a bit of an issue at the moment because um, uh, I, I, I haven't got to the bottom of it uh, quite wholly yet. Uh, I know uh, there was uh, a fairly serious and thorough investigation um, being launched um, following the. the there was a series of tyre failures uh, from a number of different teams over the weekend. Um, and, look, there was a lot of debris on the track, and you, you instantly think, oh, you know, it's, it's debris. But, really, it's probably a lot more than just that. 
um, because we've had tyre failures in the past this year. Um, you, you remember there was a couple of tyre failures at, in New Zealand uh, back in April. So maybe, just maybe, there's, there's, there's a bigger problem with the actual tyre construction themselves. We're not talking Pirelli-type failures, though, are we, Richard? No, I, I don't think this is tyre gate that we saw at Silverstone this year in Formula 1, but it's something that, that Dunlop will go and look... It's strange, isn't it, that it all should happen straight away. And a track like Queensland Raceway as well, you'd think if you're going to have tyre issues, you'd have it at a street circuit, and Townsville would have been ideal for that. But, um, you know, the QR, it's six corners. There's four right-hand corners, so the outside tyres, the ones that were popping are loaded up for a majority of the laps, so that's an issue. Look, it's something that Dunlop will go and look, but Dunlop's done a great job for such a long time for V8s that... I'm sure they'll get on top of it, whether it's an isolated circumstance or it's a, a wider tyre issue. We don't know, and, and speculating probably doesn't help anybody's cause in this kind of thing. You've got to be careful. You don't know what the teams are doing. You don't know what pressures they're running rubber at. So there, there are so many variables when it comes to tyres that you need to take into account before making a judgment. But tyres are so fundamental to the whole cause, and if you get your tyres right the sport's brilliant. If they're wrong, it's, it's a disaster as we've seen in Formula 1. So it's such a borderline thing that people need to keep an eye on. That, that's why it sort of gets talked about so much when you get one round that, that there's a bunch of issues. But the thing that I think we need to watch is what happens at Bathurst this year because be it Bridgestone in the past or Dunlop these days, that is a place that has caused tyre dramas and mainly we believe due to the curbs at Turn 2 and some other issues. So that's probably going to be the absolute critical one this year, notwithstanding the fact that it's the biggest race of the year. So, it, look, I've got great faith in uh, Kevin Fitzsimmons and the boys at Dunlop going through the process and making sure that the tyres are, are safe because, in the end, it's in their best interest. So it's worth sitting back, just, just waiting, watching what happens, and let's see what happens until uh, the next round at Winston in four weeks. Well, could tyre dramas or a lot of yellow flags at least as we come into the season of endurance Gordo be the saving grace for Nissan because Nissan they can make the power but they've got to chew through a lot of fuel to do it and at the moment one of the big hot topics outside of racing is what to do with the Nissan engine issues yeah well that's another another problem in itself so um you know, I'm sure the I'm sure the uh, the boys at Nissan, um, you know, will be right on top of it uh, come Bathurst. Uh, I know uh, Erebus uh, is a, is a prime example. They've just turned things around massively. They had genuine speed on the weekend, and uh, it, it just you know uh, the, the the engine issues that uh, that Nissan face um, is, is is probably a little bit more deep seated. Um, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I. I really don't know a hell of a lot what's you know what's uh, going on with uh, Nissan Motorsport, but um, but I'm sure uh, they will be competitive uh, come October at the mountain. And and that's said about uh, Nissan's problems, Richard. And I know that they're they're looking to at doing everything in their power, but it is one of those things that. They're still racking up solid performances. They're, they've got a great handling car. The chassis package and everything is working really well. But they know. You, you, you even saw Tim Blanchard one time down the uh, down the back straight drive past one of the Jack Daniels cars. 
when they got yeah. into a drag race, you know, and you're going... Yeah, look, uh, there's no doubt that they're still down on grunt compared to where they need to be, but we all expected this. We all knew that, that coming into this year, Erebus and, and Nismo, to a lesser extent, were going to have engine difficulties compared to the fact that the Fords and Holden, because Ford and Holden have had their engines developed for the last 15 years, so... They all know where they're at. They've got them absolutely optimised. They're operating at a really high level. AMG coming into this brand new, Nismo coming into a brand new. I've only had you know a year's worth of development on their engine, so they're playing catch up. What I hope the sport doesn't do is what's been rumoured and go and regulate the fuel tanks of the Fords and the Holdens at Mount Panorama, especially to induce some kind of parity. Because I don't think that is in the best interest of the sport. It, it, it penalises Nissan and Mercedes to, a, to an ex, a certain extent. However, it was V8 who wanted some variety in the field. They wanted different engine manufacturers to come in. They wanted the different architectures, like the, the double overhead cam V8s that Nissan and Erebus Motorsport with the AMG engine are running. I think penalising the Fords and Holdens who have done a good job getting their engines to where they're at in fuel economy and horsepower, I think penalising them at Bathurst the sake of a level playing field over a race distance is probably not the best way the sport would go. I, I think we just need to give them time to develop their package. And, you know, we're talking about AMG, one of the best aftermarket tuners in the world. And we're talking about Nismo, probably one of the best aftermarket tuners in the world. These guys will get a handle on it sooner rather than later. If it takes a year, so be it. But I don't think we should induce some artificial racing just for the sake of making sure they're competitive in the short term. Gordo, what's your take? Oh yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm totally uh, I totally go along with that. Um, you know, I mean, for, for any company, no matter no matter who it is, to, to come into a new series in, in, in anywhere in the world um, and expect to win first up, that's just not on the cards. And uh, and and we're seeing that now. You know, we're we're seeing glimpses of form from both the new manufacturers. Um, but you know, to, to be a, a serious winning chance. You can't, you cannot expect that from anyone, no matter which, you know, which manufacturer it is, um, you know, mm. particularly in a series like V8 Supercars. Mm. Well, one man who has uh, set the mould, if you like, for this new series is Mark Scaife. And it's interesting, Richard, when you hear the drums beating like they are about this V8 Supercar Commission and his role as the chairman of it. It certainly looks like from anecdotal evidence, he might not be in that position much longer. No, and I know Gordon wrote a very good story, very thorough story uh, to that extent that was published on Speed Cafe over the weekend, and um, I, I think that basically tells the entire story of where it's at. The Commission's up for review, new directors to be appointed, and it's true that Mark Scaife may well not be, be part of that. Um, and if that's the case, well, well, so be it. Um, it, it. It's a really difficult thing, isn't it? And, and Mark has obviously contributed a great deal in terms of getting this car of the future online and, and also getting the new OEMs involved in, in Erebus and AMG. And if you Volvo now, and if you believe the source is a sixth manufacturer at some stage down the road as well. But um, look, he's done a great job. There's been some issues, there's no doubt. Um, there's issues with cost. There's some stuff that went on in Austin that people are unhappy about. Um, if it's time for, for Mark to uh, move on, well, then it's time for Mark to move on. And I'm sure he'll keep a role with 
seven network in commentary, which he does exceedingly well. Uh, he'll still be involved in the sport. He's too experienced not to be involved in the sport. Um, that's just the way the game game changes, and uh, change is part of, of what we do. So if it's time for Mark to move on, well, then so be it. And um, I'm sure that the positives of his tenure on board the commission is certainly the most public figure on board it. Um, will be remembered more than anything else that's gone on. Gordo? Yeah, it's a situation now where um, the Commission's got, uh, got, a, got a job to do in terms of, of uh, voting, and um, all will be revealed uh, in October, I believe. Uh, that's when, when uh, we'll have an announcement on what the structure of the Commission will be. So whether that, uh, whether that includes uh, Mark Scaife continuing on, I, I very much doubt it. Uh, but, as I say, uh, it's now in the hands of the voting commissioners and, uh, and we'll, we'll know in a couple of months. Mm. And it, it's amazing because we've seen similar types of... Uh, we've seen similar types of atmospheres around V8 supercars before and you, it's all to... Uh, uh, all of us remember the uh, famous Motorsport News bone cover, which when Phil Brannigan wrote that story, he had... You know, he'd done the vox pops of all the people in charge, and he was confident, and he knew at that time Tony Cochran didn't have the support to go on, and of course Tony Cochran was good enough to change those numbers around when push came to shove, and it'll be interesting to see if Mark can get the support he needs to stay on because uh, he's certainly in that almost identical position, Gordo. Yeah, I mean... That story you alluded to um, about uh, Tony being removed from the from the chairmanship of V8 Supercars uh, all those years ago, I think I think it coincided with uh, a Hidden Valley meeting. Uh, mm. That story, as it was written, was 100% right. But what happened was um, a couple of people, for whatever reason, decided to change their mind, and uh, and bang, Tony survived. So, you know, I, I don't know whether it's the same sort of situation in this case. Um, however, you know, we, as, I, as I said before, I'll, I'll keep repeating it, we will know one way or the other in October. Mm, yeah, it's certainly an interesting story and it, it's always fascinating when you're dealing with a person who's got such a high profile, Richard, and, and outside of the inner sanctum, their image is totally different. Yeah, it is, and, and that's why speculation probably doesn't serve anything. I, I think I, I think Gordo's story that was published on the weekend, bang on, um, look, this is what's happening, this is the likelihood of what's going to happen. Um, all we know for now is that it's going to be decided in October, and, and that's the fact, and that's where it's at. You know, we, we can speculate until the sky turns grey, but um, we're not going to know what goes on in the internal V8 supercar circles until they deem it worthy of us knowing and put out a media release or a press conference about it. So um, it is what it is. Things will happen. Uh, you'd like to think that they've got the best interest of the sport at heart. So whatever they do will be hopefully designed to push V8 supercars further and keep the sport that we all love ticking over and growing and expanding like it needs to do. Well, one thing's for sure, Gordo, the James Warburton move into the uh, into the CEO role has been a very well received one, and uh, it, I must say, over the last couple of well, over the month that he's been there, the the change of enthusiasm and atmosphere in V8 supercars up and down that paddock has been quite measurable. Yeah, 
yeah, look, I, I think, and I, I was saying to a couple of people at Queensland Raceway on the weekend that uh, it's very rare that you see it. So everyone in the paddock you talk to regarding James Warburton's appointment as the, as the new CEO are universal in, uh, in their um, comments about James and, uh, and, and how positive they are uh, his appointment. Um, you, you very rarely see that, uh, that, that it's, you know, there's normally, you know, you know someone here or there who's, who's, you know, against it and, no, he's no good and this and, this and that. But James has actually done... He's made all the right moves, um, you know, in his short term so far. He's got a 90-day plan which he's going to deliver to the stakeholders, I believe, at the end of August. And, um, you know, that, that will be the absolute proof um, of whether what he's, he's promising and all the meetings he's had, you know, over the last couple of months, uh, you know, whether, you know, they hold weight. Because um, you know his his first ninety day plan is crucial, I think, to uh, you know to whether whether James uh, is really the you know the, the panacea of gold, I guess, if you like, for, for turning the sport around after a, a period of, uh, of let's let's face it, a period of, of dif- difficulty in the last few years in terms of rev- revenue. And um, you know, I think uh, I think really, I, I honestly believe that James is is probably the right guy for the job. While he hasn't worked in the sport before, he understands the sport, and that is the key thing. Mm. Yeah, and of course, he, he kicked it off with, of course, securing three events up in Queensland. So that doesn't that doesn't do you any harm when you you start off and you lock those uh, those three major events in. Yeah, three no, three no. massive events. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, that's, that... I'll let uh, Richard go first. Yeah, I mean that. I thought I was say the same thing. That I mean, that's probably been ongoing before James even came in. But I mean, it looks great for him, and it's such an important thing. We cannot underestimate how important it is that those three events, in particular, I think the Gold Coast event, which is such a marquee race, so important that that they tick over and, and continue to exist. And Queensland's such a huge market for V8 supercars, so. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge tick in his favour already. You know, I, I like the fresh approach from Gordo. You said that he comes in knowing the sport but not having worked in it before. I think that's probably the biggest thing in his favour because he doesn't he doesn't come in with any preconceptions about who's doing what or who's going to say yes or no or, or the rivalries or the politics behind the scenes. And that's got to be the number one positive thing that he's got going for him to come in with a clean slate and put his own stamp on how he wants to run V8 Supercars. I don't know about you, but I think that's probably the biggest thing he's got going for him out of anything else. Well, further to that, I mean, he's, you know, the guy's a leader. He's, he's clearly a leader and he's a salesman. He's, he's got a proven record of that and that is absolute paramount uh, in this role. So, you know, I mean, the sport's got the best possible chance with, uh, with a, a fellow like James Warburton of, of turning everything around and, and getting it back on track in, you know, what's been a really, really difficult mm. Well, guys, there's plenty more we could talk about, but we're running out of time. And, and, of course, we didn't even get to the announcement, of course, of the endurance sponsor, but we'll deal with that one next week as that is going to be uh, exciting to have the Endurance Championship really well and truly front and centre starting off this year. But uh, thanks very much, Gordon Lomas. The Bathurst book is out this weekend. 
go into all good bookstores and it'll probably be front and centre. And look, before, uh, before you go, guys, uh, I just want to send a message out. Um, since, uh, you know, since Townsville, um, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our press corps has had a bit of a, bit of a health scare uh, and I uh, just want to send uh, the best wishes to, uh, to Mark Fogarty and, uh, and hope, he, uh, hope his recovery is swift and, uh, and he gets back on track uh, very shortly. Yeah, we're looking forward to catching up with him down there at Winton as well. Richard, always a pleasure to catch up with you. And, uh, of course, SBS Speed Week will have great, great lineup coming up soon. And, and of course, the three days and nights of racing from Queensland Raceway. And you, you have to wonder when V8 Supercars are going to jump on board this night racing uh, package that uh, you guys at the Shannon's Nationals have got going. Yeah, it's a huge success. We get quite a few punches come out to QR and check out the fight in the night for production cars and GT cars. So... Uh, great fun at the Queensland Raceway this weekend. Thanks, Craig. I'm sorry we ran out of time to discuss your dominance of the uh, the sweeps in the media room. Uh, very, very uh, decisive stuff over the weekend by you, and it's uh, cast all sorts of decisions over uh, how that progresses in the future. Uh, you're, you're dominating that, and it's an issue, let's be honest. Yes, well, I won't be at Sandown, so I'm going to leave it in your capable hands there, Richard. <laughs> well, uh, I, vote, I, vote, I vote for Karen. I vote for Karen Finney to do the next draw. Yeah. (laughs) The white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, James Phelps is the co-author of Dick Johnson's new autobiography, Dick Johnson, the autobiography of a true blue Aussie sporting legend. I spoke to Phelps about how the project came together. I was looking around for a new project last year. I finished the Chad Reed book, which still isn't out yet, unfortunately, but I was looking for a new one to do, and the obvious choice was Dick Johnson. He's the legend of the sport, and you know he's got so many great stories to tell over the last 10 years. So I approached Dick and asked him if he was interested, and he said he was, and I went to the publisher, and yeah, they were immediately uh, sold on the idea, and, and we got cracking. You, you've got Dick at a very interesting time in his life, and you've certainly captured a lot of that in the, uh, in the grabs that have already been released. Yeah, well, Dick did a book in 1999 when he retired, but as you'll find with most athletes at that stage in their life, they don't really tell you everything. It's, it's more of a case of they'll, they'll talk about racing, but they're not openly honest with it and that's what I talked to Dick about before I agreed to do the book I said Dick you have to be honest to do it or otherwise it's going to be a complete waste of time and I think Dick's at that stage of his life where he was ready to tell his story he, you know he's not getting any younger and you know he's got nothing to lose and he wanted to be honest and wanted to get 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 the real story of Dick Johnson out there which I think we did. What were some of the surprises as he's talking to you about some of the events over the course of his life and 
Well, what shocked you? The, the real surprise for me is, you know, I wasn't around to witness of what a, a lot of what Dick did, but, you know, we all know he's a legend. We know he won five touring car titles. We know he won three Bathurst. But I really didn't know the story of how he actually did it. The fact that, you know, he's an old man when he, when he won his first Bathurst at 36, and it's incredible to think that he went on to win five touring car championships when most people are thinking about retiring. And also just the early struggles. Like, the guy did it so tough. He, you know, funded everything from his service station and... Even the fact that he was 21 or 20 when he opened his own business, and you know, it was quite incredible. And it shows a lot about the man and his work ethic. And you know, he's, he's just a doer. He gets up and does it. And yeah, it's just incredible struggles and uh, triumph. Of course, the most recent uh, part of the history is what's been getting a lot of the attention. But do you think the honesty that he gave you about the whole career is more what the book should be known for? I think it will be known for that. I mean, and the honesty goes throughout his whole career. Like, there's a fantastic chapter on Brock and speaks openly and candidly about it. He um, doesn't hold back having a crack at a few people along the way, which uh, you'll get the book and, and have a look at those sections. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it goes through his whole life. And, um, you know, the, the recent stuff, I guess, is what's talked about because it was known, I suppose, but Dick has never really spoken about it. And there's a, a few surprises in there, but... Yeah, you've got to read the whole book to put everything in context and, and see what Dick's about. How's the reception of the book been so far? What's the, what's the feel from Dick and the, even the other people around the, um, that have had a chance to now read it and, and study it? Oh, everything's been been fantastic. I mean, Dick's been great. I was a little bit worried when I woke up on Sunday morning and saw his head splashed across the front page with "I'm broke." I mean, it's pretty scary. We knew it was coming, but for him, I thought you know he might be a, be a bit shocked, but he wasn't at all. He said, "Yeah, it's great. Yep, that's what it is. I can't hide away from it." And um, everyone that's read the book absolutely loves it. I mean, it doesn't come out till Wednesday, but the feedback I've had from publishers and other journalists that have, that have had a look forward through it is that it's great. So, um, yeah, we're really excited and we've had fantastic publicity and it's, I believe it's already in a third print run and it's not even on sale. So pre-sales is a, a critical thing for the success of any book. Obviously, uh, it's garnering a lot of attention. Yeah, well, I called up last week to, to buy 100 copies for myself with my 50% discount to, to hand out and give to friends and family, and um, they told me that they didn't have any left. So they said they're out of the 10,000, they're into a second run, and they said they're basically sold out too. So I'm still waiting around to try and get my books. <laughs> well, hopefully the royalties will come along with some books. Yeah, well, that'd be a bonus, but it's just great to have the book out there and uh, let everyone know what, what the real Dick Johnson's like and, and who he is and what he's gone through. That's a uh, an accomplishment in itself. Why, when you're working full-time for the Daily Telegraph, News Limited, of course, across the whole channel, you're now doing Fox Sport News and a whole host of other um, uh, host of other things with internet and everything, why write a book? Why put yourself through that, that additional work and effort? Well, I've got three kids and a mortgage, so um, those things come in, come in handy. But no, certainly not about the money. I think it's something that, as a journalist, that you need to do in your career, and it's you know it's a great form of writing. We we get restricted a lot in what we do for the newspapers. We're always given a length, and in a book you can write as much as you want. You can be as colourful as you want. It's your it's your book. So as an expressive form of writing, it's you know what, what we what we live for. So you know that's the best medium to to have a crack at writing if that's what you love. And what about the next project then? I'm actually uh, going away from sport, so I've done two motorsport books now and you know, I'm probably not really interested in doing another one for a while and I'm doing a book on a jail. So it's a uh, Long Bay jail inside Australia's hardest prison. So I've got some uh, prison guards lined up, a lot of uh, heavy criminals as well that have agreed to talk to me and we're, we're going to go through the history of Long Bay and uh, 
you know, talk about all these characters like Nettie Smith, Renee Rifkin, um, you know, Tilly Devine back in the early, early century. So, you know, it's going to be fantastic and something I'm really excited about. How do you find time to do stuff like that? Well, you work a full day, you come home, eat dinner and lock yourself out in the back room with a six-pack till about midnight and, and work away. But as I said, it's rewarding and, you know, I'm not one for watch TV or sort of sit around, so I actually quite enjoy getting out there and uh, starting, especially when it's a, a subject you're interested in. I, I guess that's the point, you cannot write a book unless it's something that you're interested in. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had offers to write other books for athletes, but I thought they're not going to be open and honest and I, I just don't want to write a fluff piece and beat around the bush, so... Yeah, that's the key. You really have to be interested in it or otherwise, you know, you're wasting your time. Forget about it. And how many hours? How many hours did you have to sit with Dick and then how many hours to get yourself a, a product that you could send to a publisher? Um, it's funny. I think we started it possibly here last year at Ipswich and initially we, we sat down at races and had some chats and then it became a process which worked best for us as we, he's in Queensland, I'm in Sydney. Each day we'd, we'd ring, I'd ring him in the morning, we'd speak for an hour on the phone I'd take the tape down and then obviously go through it and rewrite it and pretty much every day we spoke for an hour and an hour of tape to give you some sort of context takes three hours so it's triple triple to transcribe and then the writing process for one chapter will probably take at least two weeks I mean and you're going at it for four four to five hours a night and you can go even longer like I could have sat there and rewrite the whole thing again you're never happy with what you do so yeah it's a very exhaustive process and that went on for gosh until march maybe so you know a good nine months and yeah, it was full on and of course a lot of things happen with a reprint is the chapters that you couldn't get in that all of a sudden people have a thirst for so have you got in mind the bits that you might add to revisions no i, I think it's all there i mean the book finishes off with dick I think it was just after Adelaide, so there was a little bit of uncertainty about his future, but that's been resolved. So I guess that's probably where the book trails off with him saying he doesn't know if he's going to be around for much longer. But he obviously is now, and he's here to stay, so that's great. But you know, the, the story's all there. So I think, uh, I think we'll be all right. We don't need to do a reprint. Well, James, it's on sale this week. Yeah, it goes in, in bookshops on 1st of August. There, there might be a few sneaky copies out there already with booksellers that, are, that have keenly put them on the shelves. So that we're hoping it uh, sells well. And I encourage you all to go out and buy a copy because he's a fascinating individual, a, a legend of not only motorsport but of Australian sport. And he has an incredible tale and he's honest. So, yeah, get out and get it. All right, what's the recommended retail? Uh, I think it's thirty four ninety five. So you can pay a bit extra and, and then put a check in the mail to me if you like. But... No, it's 34.95. Come up and see it at a race and get it signed. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't want me signing it. You need Dick's signature. That's the one that matters. That's all we have time for on this week's show as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.